Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Level Up Human, the comedy science podcast souping up the homo sapien. Hello and welcome to Level Up Human, the show that looks at the human race and tries to figure out how to make it better. We're taking suggestions from our panel and from our audience of the natural world to try and work out exactly what the next stage in human evolution should be. Until MTV commissions my Pimp My Pancreas series, this podcast panel show is the best that we've got. So I'm your host, Simon Watts, and today I'm joined by three arguments against intelligent design. On my immediate left, we have Tamandra Harkness. Tamandra is a maths fan and has got a big book out about big data. Tamandra, can you tell us once and for all, does size matter? Uh, no, it's what you do with it that counts. <laughs> so what actually is big data? Uh, it's data that there's a lot of, but that's not actually the most important thing about it. The most important thing is that because of where technology has got us and our understanding of maths and statistics, you can gather lots of data, or data as we call it in England. Uh, <laughs> you can gather lots of data automatically without even trying every time you use an electronic card or a cell phone. And uh, you can gather different types of data and put them together. And you can use artificial intelligence, essentially, to, to look for patterns in it. So what we can learn from data is immensely more than what we could even 50, even probably 10 years ago. You, so it has great potential. You only call it data because of Star Trek as well. It's Americanism. <laughs> it managed to filter its way in. OK, data, data, you know, let's call the whole thing off. <laughs> uh, next to her, we have got, well, Dr. James Logan from the London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine. You may recognise him from Embarrassing Bodies. Although, uh, James, I do have to ask you, actually, exactly how embarrassing does a body have to be before people don't want to get on the telly? And would <laughs> Seriously Ill and Shameless not be a better title? <laughs> um, yes, probably. No, no, absolutely not. No, the, the, these people that go on, on, the, on the telly tend to have very, very bad problems that they can't get solved. And they have, when they go on, the, on that show, they have a whole team of people that get them through that whole process. Um, so, so they do have serious problems, and they do get their problems resolved, um, but they do it in a very kind of grotesque way. But I, I don't see people when I'm on the show, I see the parasites. And the parasites, even though they might look more grotesque, are much less grotesque than people, for sure. <laughs> beautiful, beautiful parasites. <laughs> so these two people are going to be pitching ideas for the next stage of evolution. 
But judging them and seeing if they are worthwhile to be incorporated into our genome, we have got the comedian Amy Haweska. Amy, your biog here describes you as a Welsh, Polish, Irish, Catholic Jew. So you've got all the different kinds of guilt. Yeah, I'm a total mongrel. I am a mix of everything. So uh, I have a strong immune system. It um, also means... Yeah, I've got a bit of everything in there, yeah. You'd be a perfect cast for Woody Allen for I know, well. I was like, guilt... I know, right? <laughs> Just guilty and anxious. Yeah, I could do it. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll be getting their ideas, but we'll also be getting ideas from the audience here at the Royal Institution. Please give everyone a warm welcome. So before we kick off and get into the realms of the future, we want to see what kind of thing is actually going down now. Each of our panels brought along a news story that's caught their eye. So why don't we start with you, Tamandra? What's been in the news, what you think is worthy? There are actually two news stories I saw this week which are on a similar topic, and uh, I'm really hoping that they will have seen each other and, and be putting them together. One of them is a uh, great news story that they cured cataracts, which is quite a common eye problem in old age where your lens becomes cloudy and you can't see through it but instead of the the usual method which is you take that out and you put an artificial lens in to replace it they actually got the lens to regrow itself using stem cells so it's like a self-repairing lens but then I saw this other story where somebody else has got uh, a lens that corrects faulty vision but instead of it being like a normal contact lens where you have to put it in and take it out and clean it and lose it and drop it on the bathroom floor and so on, this is one that you put in and then it finds its way into position and unfolds itself and stays there permanently. So surely, if you can regrow them and you can make uh, an eye that adjusts itself, not, not just to normal eyesight, but they reckon they give it three times better vision than normal, so like a, a bionic eye, then you could get eyes that would regrow themselves and make themselves three times better. What, what does three times better mean in this case? What makes an eye three times better? Do you just have a three them? Do you go for quantity rather a third, than... A third eye. That's, yeah. that's something quite different, I think. <laughs> we make up our reality, don't we? Our eyes, they're not designed to stare at one thing for... Someone listens to the infinite monkey cage. <laughs> We're not allowed to stare at one thing for too long. It's sort of filling the rest in... So maybe it, maybe it would be an eye that actually sees everything. The all-seeing eye. The all-seeing eye, This yeah. has got more spiritual than intended, so we're going to stop. <laughs> what about you, James? What's caught your eye, so to speak? <laughs> <laughs> well, well it, it is along the line of, of senses, actually. And I think that we have a sense that is our poor cousin to our eyesight and our... Um, and our hearing and, and, and things that we think that we rely on every day. But actually, we have a sense that's much more important, I think, and that's our sense of smell. And for many reasons, and I'm not going to go into that, but it does have other, th <laughs> it does have other it, things... Is it anything to do with changing nappies? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I too am a, a recent father, and, um, yeah, and uh, yes, I have become mar much more aware of the smell of poo of children, which... Um, How much have you been weed on so far? <laughs> I, haven't, uh, I haven't been really? weed on yet, no. I have been sicked on a lot. <laughs> but anyway, we digress. Um, <laughs> it's not like a bingo card. You're not like taking off all the fluids we from should, your children. Yeah, we should, we should have a competition. Probably. Yeah, when we get to bile, that's when we get worried. But <laughs> go ahead. But, but our sense of smell is, is incredible in many ways. And one of the things about our sense of smell is that the cells, our olfactory cells, have these amazing regener regenerative properties. And so, you know, if, you, if your cells in your eyes or your, or your ears start to degrade, that's it. 
you go blind, it's game over. The cells in your nose are hit with trauma, uh, toxins all the time, and they die, but they regenerate, and they've got these amazing regenerative properties. And some very clever scientists at UCL have been researching this. They're called olfactory resheathing cells, um, and they're involved in our ability to smell, basically. And what they did, and, and this news article um, that I read recently, was this guy back in 2010, uh, very sadly, was stabbed several times in the back, and his spinal cord was pretty much severed. There was a little bit sort of still attached. And so they used him in an experiment with these olfactory cells. And what they did was they took a little bit of uh, uh, um, tissue from his ankle, they put it onto the, what was remaining of his spinal cord, and then they injected a very small amount of olfactory cells. So first, first of all, they actually removed his olfactory bulb, which is part of, of the forebrain, essentially, mm -hmm. um, and they cultured the cells. And then they injected around 500,000 cells, which is actually quite a small amount. We're made up of trillions of cells. 500,000 olfactory cells uh, into the, the, the spinal cord and used the, the tissue from the, the ankle as a sort of bridge. And what began to happen was that these olfactory cells began to connect and grew fibres and basically reconnected his spinal cord. And this guy has gone from being completely paralysed to now being able to walk with a frame, but he can walk. And he's got you know, sexual function back and, and all sorts of things. And it's absolutely incredible. And all of that from cells from our nose. It's incredible. But did he have to lose his sense of smell? That's a good, that's a good Is question. Is it a trade-off? I, I, I don't know. You can't see the movement of the eyebrows. <laughs> <laughs> you can, yeah, it was audible, the noise of eyebrows being raised by so many people. Amy, what's caught your eyes? Heteropaternal superfundication. Superfundication, I said that right? What's that? That's the Latin for your mum's a right goer. Which, um, <laughs> it's when people have twins and they have, their twins have different dads. That's been in the news uh, oh, yeah. this week. So this has happened to a lady, a Vietnamese lady. And um, it happens basically when you boff a man. I've checked, I can say that, boff. And then very shortly afterwards, you boff another one. And then you get twins with different dads. And a Apparently, this happens a lot more than we think it does. It's just that people don't really bring it up. <laughs> so, yeah. I'm just thinking of all the twins. Like, you know when you see, like, non-identical twins? And you're like, mm. like, oh, that one looks more like your brother than you. It's weird, that. Um, sorry. How but, did you know? Um, so, because I think they got tested because one of the twins looks so much different from the other that they thought there'd been a mix-up at the hospital. Oh. So they went and had a DNA test, and it turned out it's the same mum but different dads. So the same mum, but the same mum is fairly guaranteed. Yeah. <laughs> but having said That's that, there, there was a test a couple of years ago where a woman was shocked when she went to get a paternity test to discover that she was not related to her children. Mm. And what it turned out to be was she was what we call a, a chimera. So her body yeah. was basically made up of her and her twin. So whenever she was in the womb, her twin was, had died but was subsumed into her body. So her cheek cells that were tested were not related to the cells that were in her ovaries. So she was literally not related to her children to the same degree. Oh, oh, it's a real pity you can't recall the facial expressions in the audience <laughs> right now. You know, imagine like your child then saying, you're not my real mum. Well, not really. <laughs> auntie is. <laughs> what auntie? Well. The auntie <laughs> that I have subsumed. a long story. <laughs> It would be an amazing plot for EastEnders, actually. That's what we're going for. And that thing you're talking about, that's multi-male mating. So in the animal kingdom, that happens all the time. Does, oh, yeah. 
Well, that's actually Sarah Pascoe's written a new book about that, hasn't she? Has anyone sure. about the female body and female sexuality? And actually, mm. women are quite promiscuous naturally. It's just sort of society. Shh. Shh. <laughs> the whole point yeah. is they don't think we do. But can I tell them this? Give it away. <laughs> this was my area of study back in the day, believe it or not, and that makes my university sound much more interesting than it really was. <laughs> Do but you know about the noise thing? We'll move on to this. The noise like, thing. Go on. Yeah, go on. <laughs> it's great. This was in Sarah's show last year. It was fascinating. So uh, female mammals, humans, we, when we're at it, we, I'm very, being very careful about the words I use, when we are at it, we make louder noises than any other mammals. And the reason is we're telling any other males that are in the area that, you know, that we're, re that we're ready for it and we're fertile. <laughs> so that's why women are so noisy in bed. Back to you, Simon. Oh, yeah. <laughs> can, can I just say my new favourite exclamation is heteropaternal superfecundation. Oh, brilliant. You said it right. <laughs> it does sound like a swear word, doesn't it, yeah. actually? It should be. So it's like the equivalent of like a baboon's big red bum. Yes, ours is just like ours a sort of klaxon sound. When Harry met Sally moment. Because, the, the, because one of the, the best thing about humans, to many degrees, is that we have sex not when we're fertile. Actually, that's the history yeah. of humans, is that we have too much sex. We, are, we, have a, we have sex when it is not useful. Sorry, define too much sex. <laughs> we, we have sex when it isn't... It's, we have sex for fun, and that's an unusual thing from the, from the animal kingdom. Apart we from dolphins, they love it as well. Well, yeah, but yeah, they primates, primates. Yeah, they are. Bonobos are the best. Bonobos are the yeah. sexy chimpanzee, and that's not just personal opinion. I mean, in terms of, they use sex to say hello. They yeah. use to say thank you. Bonobos will. They oh, do yeah, every, yeah. everything we do. Bonobos do it, but with a bit of panache. They really go for it. <laughs> but sure. it's not. It's not completely common in the in, in the natural world because it's in, very rare. In, but insects will mate only once. A lot of insects will just mate once, and they store the sperm. Which is then. If I looked like that, I'd mate only once as well. But hang on, male earwigs have two have two penises, Do right? They? So what's the point of that if they're only going to have sex? Well, one's one? a spare and much much smaller as well, actually. So, it's, <laughs> so the, the the main is it, one is it like the, the, when you have a hire car and the spare tire in the back? <laughs> it's like, well, I'm not going to be able to drive back to the depot on that, and they go, no, it's just. A, Emergency well, one. The primary one is a third of the length of their body. I, why the hell I know this stuff already is worrying. <laughs> the, the, the joys of zoology degrees, yeah. Can, so, I, can I change my pitch now? No, uh, no, 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 because we have to get moving. So, ladies and gents, that's the kind of thing that's actually happening in the world right now, and I'm saddened by it now I think of it. Um, but our panel has come up with ideas, things that they would like to see incorporated into Human 2.0. So why don't we start with you, James? What would you like to see in the next stage of human evolution? Well, I think one of the things that's very topical at the minute is the Zika outbreak in South America, which is a really big problem, and we're working on it at the London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine. Um, and one of the things, probably everybody knows that when you go on holiday, so hands up who in the audience always gets bitten by mosquitoes. Yeah, the That's majority of people. Most people here, yeah. yeah. And, and who never gets bitten? Because there's always one really annoying person, <laughs> yes, that never seems to get bitten by mosquitoes. But this is a real phenomenon. And we know it's all to do with the way you smell. Right. <laughs> so what's special about Amy's scent? Because Amy seems to be immune in this case. Well, exactly right. So basically, we, we've done research which has shown that 
um, people who don't get bitten, like yourself, are producing extra chemicals. So everybody's attractive to mosquitoes, but some people produce extra chemicals that act as sort of natural repellents. So it's almost like our body has this natural defense system against mosquitoes and therefore against diseases that mosquitoes transmit, like Zika, like malaria, like dengue fever. Uh, and what we showed just last year, we just published last year, was that uh, people uh, who are, are attractive or unattractive to mosquitoes basically can pass on that trait. So it's genetic, it's controlled by our genes. So you can pass on the trait for being unattractive to your offspring. And actually the level of heritability is the same level as things like IQ, height, and eye colour. So it's very strongly controlled genetically. Yeah. And what we hope one day is that we can identify the genes and develop a pill that you would take when you go on holiday and that would upregulate the production of natural repellents and so you wouldn't have to put repellents on your skin. It could completely revolutionise how we control diseases. But in the meantime, is there a way that we can just all evolve to repel these insects that transmit these horrible diseases? That's interesting. I thought it was because I... Sm I smoked. <laughs> well, I don't actually anymore. I still don't get bitten. But my nan said, if you smoke, mosquitoes don't bite you. And I was like, any excuse. Is there an opposite then? Is there anything which makes people particularly attractive? No, I don't think so. I think it, it, mosquitoes have evolved to find us attractive because we're, we're humans and we are their food. So some species feed on animals, but other species will feed primarily on us. And they've evolved to recognise what we smell like. And smell is really complicated. So you think that your body odour is just, it's just B.O., isn't it? You just have a, have a good sniff and, you know, you smell of B.O. Like, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but, but it's not. It's actually five or six hundred different chemicals. It's a very complex thing. And mosquitoes have evolved to, to be able to pick out those chemicals that represent a human. Imagine... So, so are you basically saying that Amy doesn't smell like a human? Exactly right. So that's borderline insulting. <laughs> so you're, you're a bit of an alien, really. I'm a bit of an alien. Yeah. So, so, so you smell very differently to a mosquito. You don't smell like a human. I, I don't I think don't... you go far enough, though, James, because it's all right to not... not like to, to be a repellent to mosquitoes. But as you say, a really hungry mosquito is flying around going, look, I'm starving. I've got to suck somebody's blood to lay me eggs. I'm just going to have to hold my whatever they have instead of a nose and go in there. I think what we need is something that actually kills them off so that if they suck our blood, they then die before they can lay the eggs. And then they will rapidly evolve to not feed on us anymore. Surely that's a more efficient way to do it. They'll enter an arms race, though, because whatever one beats are, are, are toxic chemical. So it's a bit like the way we're firing drugs and antibiotics at microbes. They evolve faster. So the more we do to kill them off, the more we engage in the fight, the more the ones that will... That's exactly right. So if we can manipulate their behaviour instead and possibly make them evolve to feed on something else as opposed to us, then that's less likely to happen. Why don't we just get a sacrificial mate? Like, every time that we go on holiday, just bring one stinking <laughs> person with us who will get yeah. all the mozzies for the rest that's of us. Ex that's exactly right. Well, basically, all you need is somebody who just doesn't wash very much, because mosquitoes are very much attracted to stale sweat, and, and spe especially smelly feet as well. So Amy is officially the cleanest person in the room. Do you wash a lot? Is that, is that why? Well, just... yeah, I do wash a lot. But everyone washes a lot. <laughs> we, am, I, am I right, guys? <laughs> so, so what we could do, in fact, is, is just have an agreement that there's one person who's broke who wants to come on holiday. Uh, and we say, OK, that's fine, as long as you're <laughs> the one that's going to get bitten. And don't wash, and we'll pay for your holiday. And you sit over there, and we'll pass you the... Antihistamines. Yeah, well, it is a theory that some scientists have, have looked into. Can you have a sort of sentinel animal? 
So, for example, you could have a, a cow next to a human population and see whether mosquitoes would go to the cow. And if you treat the cow with an insecticide, then it kills the mosquitoes. Um, awesome. so, so, you know, it could be a possible way of doing it. I don't think that's really feasible. Is this on the short list, Amy? So, you yeah, this? so you want to unlock the gene that makes humans smell like fairies or something, not human. <laughs> so uh, this, is, this is my true blood interpretation of the same thing. <laughs> I love all the nerds nodding at me going, yeah, we know what you're talking about. Fairies smelled. And so, you have to be quite careful with your decision because this is 15 years of my own research. OK. Um, so it's uh, to unlock the gene for, um, for humans that aren't attractive to... Yeah, I think that goes on the list. I think all that's right, a good that's on the short list. Nice one. You're up to Mandra. Well, um, what I've been mainly looking at is uh, big data or data. And uh, so I've been kind of looking at the way we enhance our lives by letting machines do the work. But there are quite a lot of things that we can get machines to do for us that you think, well, actually, wouldn't it be better if we could do it for ourselves? For example, uh, we all now pretty much carry location machines around with us, which we can use as sat-nav. We all tend to have cell phones that will tell us where we are. Uh, we can have a map. So we can locate ourselves. It will give us directions in, and direct us to where we want to go. Uh, it can even do things like you can have apps that you point at the sky that tell you what stars are and what planets are and, and so on, using GPS and more local location things. But other things in the animal kingdom can do this for themselves without having a cell phone. So why can't we have an inbuilt sat-nav that uses things like the Earth's magnetic field or maybe that can detect the gravitational forces of the other planets uh, or, or the position of the sun and, and just nick all the things that, that animals can use to do this. Because then it wouldn't matter if you'd run out of battery on your phone. You could do it for yourself. You could do it in the dark. And, uh, and you wouldn't be able to be tracked while you were doing this by everything from the uh, GCHQ to Uber and everybody else that has access to all the location things on are your you, phone. Are you sure of this? Because the thing is, actually, I can understand, OK, a better sense of direction. Animals and things might have it, but they don't have maps in the same way. So, like, we, you would need to, as well as GPS, you need to know what's a road and what's a river. OK, so you, so you I mean? might have to have an enhanced memory for location. So maybe we could, like, pimp my hippocampus. Which they've done. They, they did tests on London cabbies, and they discovered that... Yeah, that's right. The anterior part ones. got bigger and the posterior got smaller, or maybe it's the other way around. But, right but there was a price to pay, you see. Their memory for routes around London got better, and then their memory for other things got worse. It's a trade-off. So I, I want just enhancement, so you never forget where you've been... Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. 
Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. You always know which direction you're going. I think some people are like that anyway. I, I wouldn't say that they can detect the gravitational force of the planets, but I think some people have... It's like a sense of direction and being able to sort of look at the sun and roughly know what time it is, which a lot of people can do. I think we have that anyway. I think it's just something that we're not using, so we're losing it. Well, see, I, I always thought that everybody was like that because I'm not bad at finding my way around. Obviously, I'm not quite as good as I think I am. Uh, <laughs> so I do get lost, but I am quite good. I've got a good sense of direction. But I have friends who literally... If you say which way is it, you know that it's the other way because they're always yeah. 180 degrees out. They, I, people who get lost coming to my house time after time after time and essentially walking in a spiral, narrowing in from about five miles away. Yeah, my friend Rihanna's like that. She once gave me the direction. She was like, Amy, if you come out of the building and you look up at the sun and you turn left, and I was like... <laughs> <laughs> Did you think you're some kind of bee? She's Did she do a little dance and waggle? A waggle just, dance? What, yeah, what great idea. Where you were. No, she's just mad. And no. then there's a tree <laughs> that looks like a... A uh, hand holding an orange. When you see that tree, <laughs> if you take a left, she meant right. And <laughs> so, yeah, some, whereas my mum can go to somewhere once in the world and ten years later she'll be able to remember where it is. And I'm a, li- a little bit like that as it well. It might be because she was born before we had these aids as well. <gasps> yeah. yeah. So she has the skills. But no, but I... <sighs> Yeah, no, because some people are just like that, aren't they? Like, my dad's got no sense of direction. He's useless, and he used to be yeah. in the army. Hilarious. So just chop them in everywhere. So that explains an awful lot about is, our, our say, international that, strategies, that, actually. Is that how we invaded Iraq, a whole Iran, load of places all over the world? Yeah. Like, we didn't even mean to. It was your dad going, no, it's definitely this way. <laughs> it's definitely this one over here. Are you sure? Because the hats are different. Yeah. Just shoot them anyway. Are you sure we're going in the right direction? Oh, we've hit the sea. We're going in the wrong direction. Um, So you're saying to... I've written down, pimp my hippocampus. Well, yeah, but also have the kind of the detectors. Because don't things like... Some of the birds can detect magnetic fields. Yeah, salmon have uh, got magnetite in their brain cells. So they've got they, a magnetic Yeah, thing. you see? So, so things like that. So basically, add in all the things that other creatures can do so that we know which way we're pointing... We know which is north and south. We know how far we've travelled from things. We can detect where the sun is, even if we can't see it through polarised light or something. Isn't that what bees can do? Like Jason Bourne, mm. like he's got that inbuilt. But has he? Engineers. Yeah, he can, yes, like, exactly. how long he can run yes, north. Yes, and we'd be like Jason Bourne. I mean, what's not to like? But, uh, animals only do it because they have a reason, so they have to migrate somewhere because it's too cold. Or they have to find new food, or have they have you, to have go you back seen and lay their eggs. How their many egg. sweaters I'm wearing in London? <laughs> oh, I see. So you want it so that you I can be able to fly find your way to. But you just need to jump Canaries. on an EasyJet flight and remember an umbrella yeah. so my hair doesn't get ruined because I can sense that's tingly. My spidey senses are going. Oh, I quite like the idea of that. I'm always yeah. 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 So I does can... it make the shortlist? What do you reckon? 
I, I think just by the skin of its teeth, because we've, we're putting the swallow brain in there as well that can detect the weather. So I think that would be... You know how <laughs> the you swallow's added. like, no. I'm, I'm, I'm down with that. No, yeah, no, you said the weather thing. OK, we'll put that in. Yeah. All right, then. So I reckon our audience here can do better. Panel, have, uh, have you had any... Have you noticed any ideas? Now, bear in mind that we've got microphones for the audience, so we may come to you if you've left your name on it and labelled it. Can we start with you, Amy? What grabbed your eye? Um, Who's well, it by? I think this, uh, this is by Louisa, I think. Louisa! Where's Louisa? Yeah, uh, it follows on, actually, from Tamandra's stories earlier. Um, I've always wanted zoom-focus eyesight. Because I go to rugby a lot. And I, when I watch it at home, they zoom in and you see the detail and you see what's going on in the scrum. And when I'm actually at the match, I sort of squint and I can't see anything at all. And you end up having to watch the screen. And I end up having to watch the big screen behind yeah. me, which rather defeats the object of paying <laughs> for the atmosphere and watching the match. And, and it's just something I'd like to be able to do. I wear contact lenses anyway, so I'd, I'd just like a sort of extra function, really. And, and it'd be great at the opera. You wouldn't need opera glasses. Oh, yeah, you yeah, will exactly. love this. There's people trying. You'd know this. when the bus is it's coming from ages, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. so oh, the, uh, the thing that's even better is they've got up to three times zoom on these new contact lenses. But to make them work, uh, they are functioned by blinking. That would be so perfect. you have to wink at those rugby players <laughs> and their thighs. I think I could do that. <laughs> <laughs> I love how, yeah, I love this. Is it specifically for rugby? That's the fact yeah, that's going that's to this that's the point. List. It's specifically for rugby. Okay. So you can see where the ball is. You have to understand this. It's not, it's not to ogle. It's, it's to understand whether the ref was right or not. But maybe, see, maybe you don't need something like a hawk on eagle. Maybe you need something more like flies have because they're really good at detecting movement in the field of vision, aren't they? That's right, yeah. Uh, yeah, and you could... So maybe what you need to be able to do is have more time to scrutinise what's going on. So if you see things in slow motion, like flies supposedly do, then maybe you can detect where the ball is going and, and see it in, in that yes, sort of way. I the don't know, guys. I'm going to have to jump in here. Have you ever seen a fly try to get out of an open window? <laughs> I don't think they see so good. I think that's a bad... But have you ever tried to swat a fly? But yes, I have. And have you been successful? Yes, because you've got to use something that uh, doesn't... where the fly can't feel the air moving towards it. So you either have to go in, like, slowly and get it, or you have to use a swatter that has got holes in it. Or a towel. A Whip towel. it with a towel. Yeah, yeah this oh, is what we actually... I, I actually... I did interview James, um, was it last year or the year before, about how to swat a fly. So I went to the expert, <laughs> uh, and then I also went to an expert in hypersonic um, aerodynamics. And apparently... This is what you need. You need hypersonic swatting. Don't look so disbelieving, sir, in the audience. You need, you need something hypersonic or supersonic because that way the, you don't, the fly doesn't feel the motion of the air and move out of the way. Okay, the shock wave hits the fly and destroys it before it's aware that anything's happening. So before flicking with a damp towel, <laughs> like, a, like a whiplash, And somehow we're back the to the dressing room at the rugby with flipping with damp towels. I mean, it's, it's perfect. <laughs> We're just inside your mind, madam. <laughs> Hypersonic swatting. Whipping. Sounds like how people study in Star Trek, doesn't it? Like, for their the eyes are a little bit more complex for flies, though, because it's not just... So, OK, there's the, the, there's the pressure stuff, but it's also that their eyes are wired directly to their flight muscles. So whenever they, run, whenever they fly off, they're not thinking about it. So perhaps you also need the, the super reflexes that you see mm. the scrum start, and then you zoom just in. Just automatically focus in. Yeah. Yeah. All right, then fly vision, shall we call it that? Or how, how would you like to phrase this, Louisa? I think just zoom focus, please. Zoom focus, does that go ahead, Amy? 
No, I'll, I'm going to say just to that one, just because we use the fly example and they, they cannot see for anything. Help, help them out here, Emma. What kind of thing would you actually like to see in these suggestions? Something that would genuinely benefit humanity and bring us forwards. Because I'm not sure whether we need zooming in vision. I don't think we do, actually. We've got glasses, we've got telescopes. What are we going to use it for? You know, we're not predators anymore. So we don't need it. Not all of us, Amy. Not all of us. <laughs> that sounded much more like... <laughs> Do you know, I don't even know how that sounded. <laughs> what caught your eyes? Anybody else see anything that was really cool? Um, there's a couple of anonymous ones. Uh, live until 200 years of age, which I thought was great because... Um, I am a terrible procrastinator. I might get round to things. Are they like a Yoda 200 where you can still bounce about and fight and be amazing? Or are they like a sort of 200 where they just well, take them back and shoot them sort of situation? <laughs> I, well, one hopes it would be like a, like a 200 and still sprightly and healthy. But to be honest, if I could, if I could sit on a chaise long and be brought cups of tea and read books, it'd still be, still be better than being dead, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. Not I'm not for that. Uh, also Why is she as long as well? Are you having a middle class all day? <laughs> 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 wow. Okay. I like that image, though. Just give me another, another grape. I'm almost finished with Madame Bovary. <laughs> Being fanned by five bold gentlemen at one time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry, I forgot we were here then. James, what about you? Has anyone... A um, anything you well, like. There, there was one thing that, that caught my eye, and that was um, more nipples. More nipples. <laughs> more, it, it, I don't know why it caught my eye, but it well, just... Speaking, <coughs> as a, speaking as a gentleman, I have yeah. two that I'm not using already. Why do I need more? I'm gonna go, I'd rather be like well, Action Man and have uh, nothing. Well, you see, I might understand. So if this was a woman that had said, I need more nipples, and she had several children, and perhaps she needed to feed them all at once, then you might be able to understand that. But this was from Jamie, somebody called Jamie. A guy that is, is, um, has no need for his What's nipples. What's he doing so why does he need more nipples? I don't know. Is Jamie in the room and does he have any interesting piercings? Because <laughs> that would make sense. If Maybe, what, you think he, he, he spoiled the two he had? What is the new ones? Well, yeah, you know, just because if you like piercing, then surely the more... There was a, oh, there was a salon, a, a piercing salon near where I used to live, and it was called um, Ring him a Thing. If you can pinch it, we can pierce it. That was their slogan. <laughs> oh, so God. the more... The more, no. yeah, the more... Pierceable bits, surely, that's it. Just for extra accessories. Mm. I'd love extra D-clips, just so I could have things I need hanging off me. <laughs> go mountain climbing using only my nipples. That'd be awesome. They already did extra nipples in Total Recall, and it was a oh, yeah. total nightmare. In the original? In, in the original, yes. Yes. I, I, I've got another odd anonymous one. For humans to turn into trees at night. Ooh. What, why? Well, at least you'd always be able to get wood. Oh! Mm. <laughs> the things that get cut from this podcast. <laughs> All right, so, Amy, that is quite a few suggestions. Before we get to you deciding the final ones, we've had some things from our audience here at the RI, we've had from our panellists. We're going to take some suggestions from nature. This is a round we like to call Splice of Life. So here we have some creatures. What would you steal from these? First up, we have oh. Honey Badger. Can you describe this to everyone at home, Amy, and what would, you, what would people in the panel steal without, from it? Without swearing, it'd be difficult. The honey badger doesn't give an expletive. He is. Does anyone know what a honey badger is? It's one of the most ferocious 
animals in the world. It, there's a YouTube clip of a honey badger, which is about the size of a cat, fighting off some lions and getting away. And one of the, they, honestly, they don't care. They're just nuts. They're totally crazy and fearless and really violent. The reason it's called the honey badger is because they go and raid bees' nests. Love honey. They just love it more than anything. They get stung thousands of times. They don't care. They don't give a crap. They're just going in for the honey. What else do they do? There's a, they also can take the bite of a viper. And what happens is they'll attack a snake. They just eat snakes. They anything they can get their hand on. And they'll, they'll attack a viper. A viper will swing it. They'll just rip the head off the viper and start eating it. And then the poison will take effect. And then they'll just collapse and have a bit of a nap. And then they'll wake up again and start eating the snake. It's just indestructible. And they have a skin. I think, oh, this is what we should yeah. take. They, have, um, they can rotate in their skin, so a predator will grab them and lock them in a death, and it will rotate in its skin and turn round and I bite them on the nose and get away. It has, it can rotate, it's amazing. It's, some recent research is suggesting that the honey badger has stolen from us. So the honey badger finds these hives that you're talking about by following a bird called a honey guide. Ah. And people also follow honey guides to find, uh, to find nests and find honey. Um, but they now think that the honey guide developed this symbiotic relationship with humans first, and the honey badger was parasitizing it. Uh, That's a new theory. It's not guaranteed to be correct. That's really, yeah. It's, they eat anything. They're crazy. I think, what would you take, the rotating skin or the fact that they're just for so brave and ferocious? It's listed in the Guinness World Records as the, hard, uh, the most aggressive animal. It's one of the few animals also that knows to go for the testicles, in a fact. Oh. <laughs> I, I, I just don't, love it. I love I, it I so much. I mean, it sounds great to be that honey badger and like not feel pain and not uh, not care. But everybody has a mate like that. <laughs> <laughs> and that's not the mate you ask on every night out. But they're a useful mate. Though, and aren't are you going to ask that mate to your wedding? And you know, it's like, do we Absolutely. really? Do you really want to be? <laughs> This is the Bagby of your friendship. I'm going to sit on the table next to my racist nan. <laughs> Let it unfold. <laughs> oh, the, the rotating the skin is, good, is quite... Okay, the, so I think the pain threshold, I'd, I'd have the pain threshold if it, does, if it just doesn't care. That rotating skin and ambivalence, then, if you're going to be like that. I'd have its bravery. It's so brave. Okay. Or brave or fighty. Oh, it just doesn't... Get, it's so brave. Honestly, go and watch it. Have you seen it on YouTube? Brave as a badger. It's Done. <laughs> right, what about from this one? What would you take from a leech? Uh, I would take its ability to bluff its way into medical school. Because, <laughs> <laughs> let's face it, it's, it's a little tube... Uh, that can lock onto you and suck your blood and then drop off again when it's had a full meal. So it's, you know, it's quite a simple organism and yet it has been central to the practice of medicine for many centuries. So, it, James, we've both been on the wrong end of a leech, which is a... I don't know what the right end of a leech is, having said that. <laughs> what does it feel like? Why were you having leeches suck you? <laughs> well, well, I did it um, for a, a thing that we did on embarrassing bodies. Um, which is what that show is all about, grotesque and, and things like that. But um, leeches are incredible because, and, and they deserve their place actually in medicine because um, they produce an incredible um, anaesthetic, but also an anticoagulant. 
So when you've been bitten by a leech, you will continue to bleed for about 12 hours, which sounds horrendous. Mm. But if you have had an operation, if you've had a, a, a digit, you know, a finger removed in an accident or plastic surgery, um, what, what they actually do, and, and leeches are still used today in hospitals, is they will attach leech to that, that limb and the leech will suck on the blood. It will produce the, the anticoagulant, which keeps the blood, the oxygenated blood flowing, and it actively sucks the blood as well. So basically, it keeps the limb alive. And it really is the difference between keeping a limb or losing it. And Does leeches, it reduces the flow? Is this why? It keeps the flow of oxygenated blood flowing to that, basically that dead area and keeps it alive enough to re-establish. And it's used every day in hospitals. I've visited a leech farm. There's a leech farm in, in Wales, in Swansea. Uh, which is the... <laughs> Why did that get a laugh from <laughs> It does sound like a club in Wales, doesn't it, actually? The leech farm. I'm not sure I'm why. from Swansea. Oh, I... Have you been to the leech farm? Uh, no, did well... Did those a good times? That's not what we call that particular nightclub, but... <laughs> Are we allowed to make a joke about it? It's where you go to get sucked. Oh, oh, just half, just half. <laughs> <laughs> Too late, the genie is out of the bottle. But, but the, other thing, the other incredible thing about leeches is, and I know this because I have a leech, I have a pet leech, and, she, and I do, and she's called Lorraine, and <laughs> which is kind of bad because my old PA was called Lorraine and I named her after her, but not in a nasty way because I really like leeches. And so it was a really affectionate thing. And she lives on my desk and she's been alive for three years. And the last time she was fed was during a show that I did at Cheltenham Science Festival, which was over two years ago. And oh. that's when she fed on my arm. And she exploded to, you know, several times her, her own body weight in blood, this massive sausage of blood, essentially. And over the last two years, she's gradually shrunk in size. And now she's back down to the sort of teeny little leech that she was originally. So she, she could survive for a long time. two years without eating. Yeah. So imagine if, imagine if we had that ability where we didn't have to eat so much. I mean, how much food do we eat? A lot of food. If we didn't have to eat for two years, we could solve a lot of the world's problems. But we have evolved that way because we used to eat a lot more, didn't we? We used to have huge guts like that, that would extend out here, and then we've evolved the opposite way around, which is to not have that and to eat less. That's because of cooking. So as our brains cooking, got yeah. 20% bigger, our guts got 20% smaller. Yeah. And then at middle age, that reverses. <laughs> <laughs> So what, would, so what would you take? What, was, what would you take from this? Was it the anticoagulant or was it the... Uh, yeah, what do you want to take from the literature? I, I, would, I would take its ability to survive without eating for a long time. And live but solely I, on I, black I find pudding. it hard because I do like food. All right, and one final one. What would you take from this thing here? Geckos. Oh, well, obviously, their ability to climb up vertical surfaces. If I could just stick myself to a wall without the aid of ridiculous rubber boots or anything like that, that would be really awesome. Sure. Like you'd miss out on rubber boots. Okay. Right, we've got lots and lots of options here. The name you're going to have to choose between them. So, uh, basically, because you haven't turned down anything, you've been very open. We have um, Be Less Attractive to Mosquitoes. We have Tamando's idea of an inbuilt sat-nav. We've got Louise, who's specifically for perving on rugby players, Zoom Focus. Right. We've got Living to be 200. We've got a Honey Badger's Bravery and Ambivalence and Rotating thing. Skin. Skin. Uh, we have got the Leech's Amazing Fasting Capabilities and Super Climbing from Geckos. What would you like to see in the next human? And I can only pick one. You can only pick one. Oh, what's the most beneficial there, isn't it? to us it's yeah. you know you, look you're being very noble here but you know screw everyone else whatever you like <laughs> man 
It's up to you. And you I mean, don't you don't need the mosquito thing because you already have it. Oh, but my mates, they, I feel so bad. Do um, you really? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Um, I, I really want to do the honey badgers. Ferocious, like, just be so brave and ferocious. Imagine how amazing. Bear in mind, this is something for a whole species. If you want everybody to be like Actually, honey no, badgers. A, you're right. You can only have one mate. It'd be, be like a, a new castle on a Friday you, night. Be awful. Um... Oh, I I tell you, I think I'm gonna pick that. The we can, <laughs> what for those at home, Tamanda's doing an impression of a unicorn. It's a unicorn. <laughs> the vision. Do you think no, no, no. the sat nav? The sat nav. Obviously. No, I'm not sure about that. I think we've got that. I think. Safe I think, lives. Yeah. Um, okay. I think what we're. I'm going to go for the um, the climbing up the wall like the gecko because I think. <laughs> I think I'm going to go for living to 200, but as long as we're sticking at about... When we get to about 50 or 60, we're going to be all bionic then by anyway, aren't we? So, yeah, this is to 200. There's not enough time. We don't get enough things done. So I think I'm going to take that. We're all going to... I think everything else is going to be fine. <laughs> There's too many of us anyway, so some of us need to die out. I'm sorry. Just mm. <laughs> This is true. Oh, what? It's true. That's a scientific theory, isn't it? When population gets too high, it's always brought down by three causes. You know this. You're a scientist. Yeah, but that's, that's yeah, rabbits. we disagree as well, though. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, sorry. It's, it's not, not people. It's not yeah. podcast. Isn't no, it? no, no. It depends because, like, I think there can be more of us. That's what tax for. You know, we, we can manage. We should be. Uh... Anyway, we're all going to be living in space. We're all going to be it's on Mars, aren't we? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. So you heard it first. Here, we're going to live to be two hundred. Uh, we will take that and add it to Evolution's to-do list just below Cure Cancer and Get Milk. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Before we go, I'd love you to give a warm thank you to, first of all, our amazing audience here at the RI, as well as Amy Hareska, James Logan, and Tamandra Harkness. That was Level Up Human, hosted by Simon Watt, produced by Rachel Wheely, and supported by the Wellcome Trust. For more information, go to leveluphuman.com. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com. <laughs>